Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode number eight of Trifecta Protection, Real People, Real Stories. I'm your host, Brooke Packard. Trifecta Protection is a 2020 newly designed safety device that offers three safety mechanisms in one unit. Trifecta has an alarm, a knife, and repellent spray all wrapped up into one product. Just a little update on Trifecta's progress. We have successfully shipped out to 13 states. Oh, it's exciting. World is tra- word is traveling quickly. Maybe we'll actually get out to Hawaii and Alaska one day. <laughs> Our podcast, the reason you guys are listening tonight, is a platform where women countrywide have a safe place to share their stories of stalkers, predators, and close call encounters. Here, we normalize people talking about our, their stories, what so many people keep private, in order to help others, teach others, and potentially even help saving lives. Tonight, we have an extra special guest with us, Liz Fay. Liz is a 25-year-old reporter for a magazine and a director of public relations at a record label and entertainment group from Worcester, Mass. Liz is here tonight to share her story where she went into complete survival mode. I will give you a little bit of an update just when Liz was giving me a quick rundown of her story. I have not heard anything like this before. (laughs) So be ready to have your socks blown off. Liz, it's so great to have you here tonight. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Liz, I can't wait any longer. I need to hear the end of this story. So I am ready. We are ready when you are to just take us back to this nightmare that you lived through. Okay, so starting from the top, right? Yes, from the beginning. All right, so this this kind of took place over the course of a few months because, you know, it takes a while, typically in stalker situations, for the really predatory behavior to show, especially if it's a stalker that you know, which for me it was somebody who I knew. Yeah. So I'll start from the beginning. I met this man through a mutual friend. I'm not going to say names just for legal reasons. That is fine. Because this, this did go to court. So I met this man through a mutual friend one night at a concert in Worcester last winter. And I, we were all drinking. We were all out having a great time. I barely even remembered meeting him. I was meeting a lot of people at the time. Uh, I was brand new to my journalism career. So I was out and about making the connections, networking, and having a good time at this concert. Mm-hmm. The next day and for the rest of that week, I noticed a new account was following me. Uh, the name of the account began with crime. So that should have been my first red flag that I paid no attention to. Uh-huh. However, I didn't really recognize the guy. But then when he, um, he'd start messaging me and responding to Instagram stories here and there. And then I realized I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, that was the guy who I met at the Emo Night concert. I like for case. Yeah. To our mutual friend. So over the course of time, we actually started hanging out as friends because I trust and respect the person I met him through. So it made me trust and respect this guy very quickly. And it was the beginning of the pandemic. So we would pretty much just spend our time. We'd go over each other's houses. He'd usually come to my apartment and we would usually just do what, you know, young people do. We would have some wine. We'd have some drinks. We'd smoke a little weed. Uh, in the beginning, he'd come over in groups. I was never alone with him. But as I began to trust him over the course of a few weeks, we would eventually hang out alone. 
No, it's... Were you romantically involved or was this just a friendship? No, no, no. So we were friends. So we were... I was about to get into that. So we we were never romantically involved, which makes this even more sickening. We were never romantically involved. I never even kissed this guy. I don't even think I ever hugged him. We were strictly friends. So that was one of the first signs, though. The first red flags I got from him was... You know, it's normal for girls to be friends with guys. Like, you know, I've had guy friends have a crush on me before. You know, most girls have had a guy friend have a crush on them before. So I didn't think it was anything too serious until he started demonstrating adult grooming behaviors towards me. Like he would, um, he'd start complimenting me in ways that made me feel unfriendly and uncomfortable. He would try to get me to rely on him. Like he would, he'd show up with food he'd cooked me or like gifts. If he'd stop at the dispensary, uh, he'd, he'd show up with things I didn't ask for just being nice. And I didn't think of anything of it. I just thought he was just a guy who had a little thing for me and I had to make sure I stayed strictly friendly with. Yeah. So then it became, becomes a little darker. So the adult grooming behaviors that I was noticing were he would try to get me to be codependent on him. He would, uh, after the gifts started, he would try to offer me money. He would try to get me to lend him money. He would always like want to be the guy who I'd call if I was having a bad day and things like that. He was trying to create a culture of codependency between he and I. And uh, that was kind of the beginning of when I started feeling a little uncomfortable but then again I didn't want to I've been an overthinker my whole life so I told myself to just relax and and not jump to the most extreme conclusion right away Mm -hmm. so then I would say this was the very first big red flag incident so he was over one night and we were just hanging out we were having drinks talking all that stuff he left he he never stayed over house um he actually insisted on staying over one time and it made me uncomfortable but he said he was too drunk to drive home so i was like sure take the couch and he actually didn't he actually did not take the couch oh my gosh yeah he and he passed out next to me on my bed and i I remember being super uncomfortable and i actually kept texting my cousin and kept him on on facetime i actually forgot to tell you this part before yeah and it was the same night that i woke up the next morning so he leaves my apartment and my bunny's dead my pet bunny is dead and she was out perfectly fine in her cage I fed her as normal she had water plenty of hay everything was normal oh my gosh Liz wait (laughs) at the beginning of this did you have any like idea that he could potentially have killed the bunny like when you woke up in the morning were you like oh my god it was him or not until later on no 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 no, not until the the incident where we went to bury the bunny so okay so um so as we're approaching the woods everybody mind you he makes himself readily available the next day to uh he makes himself the first person available to help me bury my bunny what a psychopath oh my gosh yeah and so the place that i suggested uh he didn't even take me to i just wanted to like bury my bunny in the woods near the town cemetery i live by but um he took it upon himself to drive us somewhere completely different and uh like by the woods near the tufts animal hospital in the westboro grafton line so we are approaching the woods and we're in the car alone, mind you. And he looks at me and he says to me, have you ever seen the show you? And I'm not really a TV person, but that is a show I've watched. And I could, my instincts kicked in here and I, I knew where he was going with this and I didn't like it, but I was like, yes, I've seen the show you. And he was like, with a sinister look on his face too, 
not a dark humor type of a vibe was coming from him when he said this because you know you can always tell when something's just a dark joke but this really creeps me out so he said to me he looks at me and he goes what if i told you i was secretly obsessed with you and i was taking you out here to kill you oh my god yeah. <laughs> as you're in the middle of nowhere where we this were, guy has a shovel to bury looking. his bunny yeah 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 so we were alone in the car in the woods like we were on an off-road approaching deep into the woods where we were gonna go you know bury my bunny and i couldn't have been any more irritated i couldn't wait to go home at this point and i noticed i didn't feel safe around him subconsciously because the whole time he was like burying my bunny i stood very far away from him the whole time that he had the shovel in his hand um and he wanted to hang out after and i you know made some excuse i was like no i can't whatever so um a couple days go by i cool off and um i get out of my head and i i give him a pass i think that i'm just overthinking and that i was being sensitive or something and he was just joking uh, mind you, he sent me a picture of a bunny in his front yard the next day, which I thought was that that didn't sit well with me either. But I just kind of oh rolled gosh. my eyes and, and yep. was like, he's just I thought that, you know, there the reasons why I gave him passes were because I thought he was kind of just socially incompetent sometimes. Yep. Um, and me being the kind and non-judgmental person I am, I, I, I uh, you try I, to look for the best things. in people. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I look past those things. So I'm just like, oh, whatever. Mike's just being like socially awkward again. Oh, I just said his name. <laughs> <laughs> no one caught it. Keep going. <laughs> okay. So, um, so anyways, so then as time goes on, he starts getting more and more, um, kind of, I would say into me, he gets very, he was starting to get very possessive, very jealous. If I would hang out with other people, he would be upset that I either didn't hang out with him or that I didn't invite him. Uh, things are starting to get uncomfortable. And I had been to his, this is like the second major red flag incident. I had been to his house once. He gave me a house tour. Mm -hmm. And the first time I was there, there's a room attached to his bedroom that he was using as a storage area. It was full of stuff. It looked like your typical attic type of situation. Okay. Now, um, and this is probably about... Um, like a month, month and a half after the bunny incident. Your so poor bunny. He, he um he showed up to an event I was covering. I was cover I was the covering reporter at the uh, peaceful protest for Black Lives Matter in Worcester back in June, and he showed up to it because me and the mutual friends that he and I met through were both going to be there. He ended up just wandering around alone, kind of following me around, and as I was literally in the middle of interviewing a councilman. He is standing behind me and a text pops up on my my screen, not directly behind behind me, but pretty close behind me in the distance. And and he texts me saying, oh, sorry, I can't be up there with you right now, blah, blah, blah. As I'm literally texting, I mean, interviewing a councilman. You're working. You're working. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was it was just things like that kept happening that he came off way too strong, overbearing. Um, and so. I, at this point, I was already creating space. And the more space I create between the two of us, the more overbearing and possessive he would get. And his true colors and the red flags started waving more and more. So the next day, uh, I luckily, I was not with him. I was working. But he texts me and he, he says, were you just at this place? And I'm like, no, I wasn't. Because that's another thing he was starting to do. He was starting to always want to know where I was or what I was doing. Were you actually at that place or no? No, I was not. No, okay. thank God. But, the, but, but that was another pattern I was starting to pick up on. 
combined with the adult grooming behaviors of trying to create a culture of codependency, trying to, you know, make me feel like I need him. Yeah. Um, he was also then starting to feel like he needed to know where I was all the time. Yep. And so after I didn't respond to his, after I told him I wasn't where he thought he saw me, or I think that was really just an excuse. He was trying to find out where I was and what I was doing. Um, so I stopped responding to him and he sent me a picture of the storage room, uh, completely empty, full of construction stuff. I mean, and this was completely unwarranted. He just sent me a random picture of that. So uh, just a few weeks earlier, his this is a storage room that's attached to his bedroom. And then now all of a sudden, um, and after the bunny incident and after, you know, showing up and starting to become possessive and creeping my friends out, all of my friends thought he was like strange um, too. He then started sending me pictures of an empty attic, completely unwarranted, that was under construction. Um, oh my, I have goosebumps yeah. right now. He is trying to live out you. And for the people yeah. who don't know, well, you, can I give him a little background about what you yeah, is in case people don't know? It's creepy because I'm all just like the main character and you, I'm also a blonde writer. Oh my, he's literally trying to live out this fantasy of you where there was the stalker who kept his victim or the person that he was obsessed with in a box. And now yeah. he's doing like he killed your bunny. He's following you around, stalking you, and now he's he made the joke about killing you when you're in the middle of nowhere. And now yeah. he's clearing out his storage room to potentially keep you in and is sending you pictures. It was just strange. Like so, and that's not a, t a conclusion I would typically jump to. But like I said, the uh, in between both uh, major red flag incidents, there was already problematic behavior. There was adult grooming type behavior and there was like possessiveness. And I, I was afraid I was just overthinking because I was- But this is not normal, not normal at all. No, no it wasn't. And I remembered, uh, you know, my intuition was kicking in because I, I reached out to our mutual friend a couple times and I was just like, hey, is he like, is this just how he is or, or is this strange? And and at first he was like, oh, he can just, you know, be, you know, socially awkward sometimes or a jerk sometimes and things like that. He's like, I don't, I don't think he means anything. But then as the weeks went on and, and he, more red flags incidents started happening, even our mutual friend was like, what is he doing? I didn't think he'd, he'd act like this. Taking um, it too far. Yeah. The mutual friend actually even agreed that it was, something was way wrong. So that red flag incident happens. That second major red one, red flag incident happens. Um, and I'm now at the point where I know I have to get rid of him from my life, but I did not want to just cold Turkey him. Cause I could tell he would react really strongly. Mm -hmm. So I'm just creating space and, and doing my thing. And, and I started, I, I made a, a point anytime he'd do anything to make me uncomfortable. I was like, Hey, you, you need to not say things like that. Um, so there was one night I was going into a night shift at work. I worked part-time at a restaurant and, uh, he was saying, saying something about coming in and getting me fired and thing and causing a scene. It, and it was making me so uncomfortable. And mind you, he could tell that I was, I was pulling away at this point. So yet again, he makes another bad joke. <laughs> he, he tried to brush it off like a joke after I confronted him about it and I didn't answer. He's threatening you by saying that he's right. going to get you fired. That Those, those are all threats. Right. 
Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. Um, and then after I, I said to him, I confronted him about it. He, he sent more messages about, you know, trying to make it sound like I need him and etc. And I, I finally sent a message that makes it clear as day that I'm not interested in being friends anymore. And I was like, how many times do I have to tell you, you make me uncomfortable? Took it way and too far. Clear, yep. Yeah. And then so then I made it clear that I was no longer interested in a friendship. And just about maybe three hours after that, three, four hours after that, I get home around 10 o'clock at night to my apartment broken into. Oh my, and do you live alone? I live alone, yeah. You live alone and your apartment's broken into, that's, that's a no brainer, it's him. So I wanted to go to the police, but I was, you know, kind of afraid to go to the police because I have my own opinions about how police handles situations like this. In my eyes, I think they think they treat us like we're just hysterical women. So I called a guy friend to come over and uh, look at the the door. And I also called one of my closest girlfriends. And so my guy friend's over and he's looking at the door and he's like, yep, this is, this is busted because so when I got home, you could just open the door to my apartment. The the lock was broken. The handle was broken. By you telling Um, him that you're done, this set him off. (laughs) I mean, the door was not like that when I left for work. Yeah. (laughs) So my friend looks at it. He's like, and there was a weird piece of tape left on it too, which was even creepier. So, so my guy friend's observing the lock. He's like, yep, this thing was busted. Um, It's broken. And then I call my closest girlfriend to let her know what's going on and to see if I should definitely go to the police at this point. And so when she's like, Liz, who is this guy doing these things? I sent her a screenshot of a picture of him and she, she went absolutely mental. Like she was terrified. I could hear it in her voice. Her voice was trembling. She was shaking. She couldn't even get her sentences out. She was like, Liz, this guy is bad, bad, bad. And it turned out that this same man stalked her college roommate just a few years earlier. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So and all the things, and I hadn't even told her the details. Like I hadn't told her um, all the details about like what he did with his attic or anything yet. I was just saying this guy who'd been coming off strong that I was I was friends with for a few months. I I said that I had reason to believe that I thought he broke into my apartment. <laughs> yeah, because of a conversation that had happened earlier and other things. So, oh, the, what the are the odds? She told me he did to her roommate lined up because she said to me that. Uh, sometimes things would get so bad that he would actually hold her college roommate in the basement of his house. Cause he owns his own house in Worcester. She said that he would hold her in his basement for days at a time. Oh my gosh. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, so she also told me not to, not to go to court because I wouldn't win because, and I have all this in writing too. I, and I showed all of this to my lawyer. I showed her everything. Um, Wait, you did you end up going to court for this? Oh yeah, I definitely did. Yes. Um, did so you win? I actually, no. And I'm going to get to that. So I have in writing from from this girlfriend of mine who uh, told me what happened with her college roommate with this guy, um, because we all live in the same area. So the things that were happening to me had had happened to her college roommate. Uh, he'd hold her in her, his basement for periods of time. He would try to isolate her from the people around her. Uh, basically, just all of the signs of predatory and grooming type behaviors lined up with him. So my friend tells me, she's like, Liz, don't go to court. She's like, you're not going to win. He, this guy's well-connected. Uh, he, uh, her, The roommate and her family would try to 
go to court uh, more than once, and they lost every time uh, against him, even though they had plenty of evidence. Uh, so I didn't listen to her. I was scared. So I actually did go to the police, and I told the police everything. And the police actually believed me. Wow. And especially with all the picture evidence I had, you know, some of the things he'd say to me in writing and then the door and your poor and so bunny, on. your bunny. <laughs> yeah. I told the cops everything. And, and surprisingly, the cops actually, they were concerned. They called the judge. Mind you, it was like midnight at this point. They called the judge in the middle of the night. They told the judge the story. They put me on the phone. I filled out an affidavit. And the judge sent a temporary no contact order. This guy, it was delivered in, in the morning. He was served. Oh my now, gosh. mind you, these are only two weeks. You have to go to court to extend no contact order. It was not a uh, restraining order because for a lot of people don't know this, restraining orders uh, are only for people that you are related to or have been romantically involved with. Oh, I didn't person. know that. Okay. Yep. I didn't know it either until this happened to me. And then there's a harassment order, which is what I got, which is you can send a harassment order out against anyone. Yep. So he gets his harassment order. And what happened after the harassment order, you'd think that my mind would be at peace until court. Nope. He starts texting me from, uh, it was called a text now. He's like, you know, those fake number apps. Yes. And you know, people have yeah. to pay for that. Those aren't free. Yeah. Oh, mind you, this guy was also, he would also also always brag about how good he was with the technology. He used to work at the Geek Squad. He used to brag about how he knew how to hack systems and security systems. Oh, my gosh. And, and things like that. Yeah, he would he would brag about it. Um, and he had a home office, and he has, like, three computers and stuff. So around the time he was sending me pictures of the attic, he st he'd start sending me pictures of his home office, like, oh, look at my new setup or something, and I would just brush it off. Yep. Um. But anyways, he so, was so hardcore he, stalking. He created a culture. Yeah, he, he created a culture of of intimidation. That's exactly what he wanted. He wanted me to be intimidated by him. Yeah. And he wanted me to be codependent on him. So that because when you're intimidated by somebody and then when you feel like you need them, that combination makes you not leave them. Yep. So. But you were stronger than that. You got out of this. How? Yeah. Well, because my instincts were like, Liz, this is this is all making too much sense. You can't you can't just you know, acts like what the things he's saying and doing are, are normal. So I, uh, so I did get my harassment order and he started texting me off of fake numbers. Now this of course scared the crap out of me. So then I'd go back to the police station hysterical, which is what he wanted. He started doing things to uh, trigger me to get me to go running to the police to try to make me look crazy in front of the police. And, and the police, like, I could tell they didn't think I was crazy and they, they felt bad, but they were like, there's nothing we can do because listen to this. The system, and this is how the system sets you up to fail. If you only have a harassment order and not a restraining order against somebody, even with a court um, order, you cannot go and have an IP address traced with a harassment order. Oh, so I because my lawyer, I, I requested that she subpoena the the uh, address that the anonymous texts were coming from during the time that we were supposed to have no contact before court. And she couldn't because it was simply a harassment order. Do you think he was smart enough to know this? Yeah, yeah, I do, um, especially because he'd gotten away with the, with uh, this before to the other woman, and he, he'd done it to her for years. They were actually in a romantic relationship at one point, though, so I, I think he was even worse to her. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, basically, 
uh, he's the whole two weeks before court, I'm dealing with anonymous text messages and, and he would say clever things in the messages so that I would know they were from him, but no one else would know. Yeah. Like he would, he would leave clues in his messages. Oh. Um, <laughs> Total so, psychopath. Yeah. Is he like, there's this one particular emoji he, he uses regularly uh, and he would put it at the end of his anonymous messages, almost like a signature. <laughs> It wow, was, this sounds really like something sick. on Criminal Minds. Okay. Yeah, it was really sick. And on top of that, he actually had his attorney. As the day he found out, I, I, I sought legal counsel because I think he thought I'm just this, you know, naive girl who was going to just go to court and speak for myself. But no, I actually hired a lawyer. I was really scared to death. I wasn't living at home. I was living with a relative. Um, I was carrying around pepper spray. I even went and got my gun license. Holy uh, moly. Yeah, so when the day he found found out, this is, and this is very telling in itself, too. The day he finds out that I do have a lawyer and we're ready for court, he sent a retaliatory harassment order back out on me. I was literally at home alone writing a paper, and I have a knock on my door, and it's a Grafton police officer, and he delivered it to me, and it was from him. Wow. So, basically, the way he pulled that off was he got a few missed calls from a private number he probably called himself yep. um and simply all he this is all he had to do to get a court order against me uh he he uh called himself on private a few times and simply said it was me wow <laughs> he's and, like uh, a mastermind like, though yeah like who would go you'd think like who would go out so far out of their way to still torment me after i'd sent a court order against him oh my god so liz when you went to court yeah. Did you win? No, just like my friend warned me. I didn't listen to her. I was like, there's no way a judge is not going to extend this order for me. There is so much written evidence. I had pictures. Um, I had I, even a, a, I was going to have a character witness, but, you know, it's it would have been this guy's right to know who the anonymous witness was. So I wanted yeah. to protect him because he was even kind of intimidated. It was actually... Um, it was, yeah, it would have been a tough situation for him. So he backed out, which was fine. That's okay. But, um, yeah. Is this uh, guy, Liz, still out there? Like free, yeah, roaming? He, yeah, he is. So I actually, and I'll never forget this moment. This was probably the worst part of all of it. So um, the judge did not extend the, um, the order for me. They tried to, like, play me out to be mentally ill. Uh, just because I'd confided wow. in this guy that I was feeling the pressures of a new career and stuff like that, and I was yep. having a little anxiety. So they tried to spin it on me that I was, like, mentally ill. How that's, awful that's is that? Always, that? Yeah, but that's what always happens with cases like this, especially when, you know, the good old boys that I like I like to refer to them as the good old boys club are all in cahoots together, you know. Yep. It's, like, almost – I feel like it's almost, like, enjoyable to them to, to make it – To turn it like that. Club. How does that get turned on you? Right, but so this is actually the creepiest and worst part, and my lawyer herself was even disgusted. I um, So after court, when she got the termination notice of the order, of my order against him, the, both got dropped against each other. So mine got dropped against him, and his got dropped against me. Uh, my lawyer texted me saying that, so we had court, listen to this. So court started for us at 11 a.m., and this, the termination notice was signed by the judge at 11 a.m., which means it was this was a predetermined trial before argument or and cross examination that he was just dismissing. The judge was going to dismiss this. Oh, Liz, and listen to this. 
this guy, so so it was a rigged trial. It was yeah. a rigged trial, just like my friend warned me. She was like, don't go to court. You are not going to win against him. I don't know. She was like, I don't know who he knows or how he gets away with it, but he got away with a lot more than stalking, too. He's gotten away with multiple speeding tickets and um, everything because, you know, I ended up having him checked. Uh, but he's gotten away with, with speeding and driving problems as well as the woman he did this to before me. So anything that he's ever had to go to court for or has been in trouble with the police for, he's gotten out of, including my trial. Oh, my gosh. And on top of it, he hired my boss at the time, uncle's law firm, to to uh, represent him in court. Wow. Liz, this... Uh- I think we might need to do a um an extended episode to hear more and the rest of it as we're closing in on our 30 minutes for this podcast right here. And we unfortunately can't go over 30 minutes for this oh, <laughs> podcast no. that we okay. use. But Liz and everybody listening, this story like is bone chilling and it is the worst one so far that I have heard. And Liz, I can't thank you enough for sharing your story with us tonight. So thank you for being here. And we're going to have to have you on here to hear the end of it <laughs> because 30 minutes just was not enough. So well, Liz, we're going to have you back, but my friends, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and tune in next week because I think Liz's story is going to continue. <laughs> Stay safe, my friends. This time, this is my fight song.